You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Welcome back to part two of my Ip Man movie franchise review. This episode, we're talking about Ip Man 4 and Master Z, Legacy of Ip Man. Hope you enjoyed the last one. Think you're going to enjoy this one just as much, if not more. I'm watching the Ip Man franchise, so you don't have to. Let's get right into it. Hello, come right in. Welcome back to another edition of Cherry Gate, and I'm your host, Rattlesnake, coming at you live from Austin, Texas. Here to talk about It Man 4. I guess just as a recap real quick, um, to sum it up, It Man is a kung fu master who constantly has to prove himself as the best. Um, every other kung fu master is terrible, unless they're a villain. And... Ip Man's once successful brother was shot in the head by Japanese imperialists and was pretty much left to die in the streets of Hong Kong because he can't remember anybody's name and barely has the ability to eat like a normal person. And the movie franchise just ignored him. Anyway, that's the recap so far. Now you're up to date on Ip Man 1, 2, and unfortunately 3. So here we go. This is Ip Man 4. The movie opens at a karate tournament. And then maybe a minute later flashes back to us finding out that Ip Man has cancer. Like, I'm not really sure what the fuck is going on so far and if I even have time to process all of this information. Like, is his cancer somehow connected to this karate tournament? Otherwise, I'm not sure why it opens with the karate tournament just to have an immediate flashback to him having cancer. Oh, well. Not enough time to think about any of that because this random black dude with an afro that only speaks English walks into Ip Man's martial arts studio in Hong Kong and immediately just tries telling this guy why he's doing his practices wrong. So, you know, naturally everybody's like, yo, who the fuck is this guy? So one of his students is like, 
look, dude, you got to go. You got to get out of here. We don't know who the fuck you are. And we definitely can't understand you because we don't speak your language. You're speaking an entirely different language. So regardless, this guy attempts to respond to them, of course, only in English because that's all he knows. So when the Chinese guy shoves him a little bit to leave, like towards the door, he's like, whoa, don't push me. It's like, that's, yeah, that's right. The foreigner that can't speak their language, who barged in and is refusing to leave, doesn't want to be pushed. So he starts fighting uh, one of Ip Man's students, you know, wild fucking entrance right off the bat. And he ends up being a student of Bruce Lee, who was sent to invite Ip Man to come visit him in San Francisco. So, like, is this finally the movie where we get to see the, the you know, infamous story about Ip Man training Bruce Lee in martial arts, which leads Bruce Lee to become a worldwide star and a generational icon? Nope. Fuck you. We skip over all that important shit that they've been hyping up, that the entire franchise has been hyping up the entire fucking time, just to give you a story where Bruce Lee is already famous and he's essentially just a side character throughout this movie. So I'm just going to, you know, give it to you straight right up front. It, Bruce Lee's character is completely pointless and completely useless in this entire movie. There you go. Uh, the franchise fucked you. They fucked with your head the whole time. You never got to see him train Bruce Lee. Other than Bruce Lee cha- train Ip Man in dancing, which was cute. So Ip Man decides, you know, to take this opportunity to travel to San Francisco to find a good school for his son to study abroad since uh, he's now dying of cancer. To get his son accepted into one of these schools in San Francisco, though, he needs a letter of recommendation from a board of Kung Fu masters for some reason. I'm not really sure how that works. Like, they go, he goes over there and they're like, mm, I'm sorry, but you're Chinese. We can't let all, any old Chinese guy walk into this school. Like, what is this, China? No, you have to get a letter of recommendation from a committee in Chinatown, in Chinatown, San Francisco, a a committee made up of people that teach Kung Fu. That's how you get into this school. Not just any old Chinese, not any old Chinese person. No, the one that gets a letter of recommendation from Kung Fu fighting Chinese people. Obviously, you idiot. And I watched this movie dubbed like I watched most of them. Um, so, obviously, there's some funny voiceovers for characters. This happens all the time. But one of these guys, one of these masters, had, like, an Australian accent. And it was fucking hilarious. It, it reminded me of, you know, something that would have been in Kung Pao Under the Fist. It was just great. Like, if you remember in Kung Pao Under the Fist, they had that one, <laughs> that one fucking character that has, like, a Texas accent. He's like, <laughs> the sheriff's in town. It was... It reminded me of that. Anyway, this board uh, fucking hates it, man, right off the bat. Because he trained Bruce Lee, something everybody seems to know but has no proof of because they ignore it in every fucking movie. Anyway, they don't like him because he trained Bruce Lee. And Bruce Lee has the audacity to train anyone who isn't Chinese in Kung Fu. And even wrote a Kung Fu book in English. Like, what a piece of shit. So... It man's like, I don't understand. What's the big deal? And the chairman, who is clearly villain number one, this is where we find our villain number one, and you know the storyline of villain number one. 
right? We're going to emotionally sympathize with him about halfway through the movie. He's either going to die from villain number two or three, probably villain number three, because villain number three is going to be the alpha. And then, you know, Ip Man's going to have to, like, get redemption for the death of villain number one, who later became his friend, and now we sympathize with the death. Something like that. Anyway, this is villain number one, and he tries to essentially validate their racism to, like, to white people. I don't... (laughs) It's insane. You have to you have to watch it. He's like really trying to explain his racism to Ip Man. But at the end he's just like, "Well, you know what? Like you're not from here and, and since you're not from here, you probably wouldn't understand. So, you know, here's some tea and just drink this tea and I'm going to write you that letter of recommendation anyway. Even though we disagree and all this, don't worry. Uh just we know you're a kung fu master. Here's the tea. Here's your letter of recommendation." But it man gets all preachy and is like, no, fuck you, bro. I don't drink racist tea and breaks the dude's table and then leaves. So not off to a hot start for old cancer ridden it man in San Francisco so far. So it man's business friend who uh, he visited when he, he came to America, tries to help him get a letter of recommendation, you know, another way um, by asking this businessman's boss, um, for the letter of recommendation. Apparently, you can get it elsewhere. But I guess everybody in San Francisco hates Chinese people because this boss just goes like full MAGA. He's talking about how Ip Man could bring other um, illegals over and how you have to work hard to get here and you can't just ask for handouts. Essentially, this businessman is just everybody's dad at Thanksgiving. Not a big deal. But the Chinese guy even like starts to say shit like, you know, not all Chinese are criminals. And it really starts to feel like they're talking about another ethnicity and it's a Joe Biden commercial all of a sudden. It's weird. That's all I'm saying. Anyway, so now we get caught up with where the movie begins. And the guy that It Man was watching whooping ass in that karate tournament was none other than Bruce Lee. Granted, I have no fucking idea what the point of the movie was to open for like one minute at this scene. It really plays no significance in the rest of the movie at all. And it's really random. Like I get that's where he like he was he went to San Francisco to watch Bruce Lee compete in this this tournament. But it's just like for two seconds. It's so weird. So anyway. Bruce Lee, like, takes his little helmet off and makes eye contact with Ip Man, who's watching him from up in the stands, and they have this, like, zoom in on each of their face, smiling at each other. Uh, It's really weirdly romantic, which is just, it was a weird editing choice. Like, unless they're trying to depict some deeper emotional connection there, it was strange. That's all I gotta say. Um, Anyway, we get a scene where Bruce Lee just starts beating up a bunch of white guys in geese outside of a diner in an alley and it's fucking hilarious i mean the fighting scenes are cool of course but there's like an ultimate showdown with bruce lee and this and this bearded guy after he beats up the other white gi wearing dudes and um you know this bearded dude's looking real evil and he's in this back alley and it looks exactly like a video game standoff like right before they're about to fight so the whole thing just feels and looks staged just Like, it's a movie set rather than filming in an alley, which I feel like they could have just done. I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy. But I was like, well, shit, at least, you know, the dude that's playing Bruce Lee really looks like him. But 
Then I started thinking, like, what if a Chinese guy watches this and is just like, man, why couldn't they get a guy that at least looks like Bruce Lee? Am I right? <laughs> like, you know, is it is, is this like me watching Looper and being like, what the fuck? Joseph Gordon-Levitt looks nothing like a young Bruce Willis. But then, like, Chinese people that watch it are like, holy shit, how did they get a young Bruce Willis in this movie? I don't know. Just a thought I had. So... We jump to the high school that Ip Man wants his son to attend. You know, he's still trying to get that letter of recommendation. I guess that's, you know, fuck training a Bruce Lee movie. We need a movie about Ip Man trying to get a letter of recommendation so his son can attend a high school in San Francisco where they apparently all hate Chinese people. So uh, there's this Chinese girl who is apparently good at cheerleading and won some cool spot on the cheer squad I guess I don't know I'm not a cheerleader I married a cheerleader and you know I fear one day that I'll have a daughter and I'll actually have to travel to those cheer competitions but nevertheless some some little blonde girl on the cheer team is pissed because she hates Asians I guess like everybody else in San Francisco or I guess more specifically Chinese people um because you know those white Americans they can really tell the difference uh and choose to hate one over the other so this girl also goes like full MAGA talking about how this is our land and we're the leaders and Chinese people are the followers or some weird, <laughs> weird out there shit. And then the girl, the Chinese girl goes full like seventh grade, 32 year old single English teacher uh, mode and starts calling her pale face and that the whiteies stole this land from the natives hundreds of years ago and shit like that. And I'm like, whoa, <laughs> this is getting like weirdly racial and specific about american ancestry it's just like takes this weird turn uh did not expect that so then what looks like probably the glee club uh attacks the chinese girl but they are holding hockey sticks so i guess maybe there's the hockey team uh, i guess hockey was a pretty popular sport for you know high schoolers back in the 60s in california naturally or maybe just you know this was created by uh, Chinese people, so people in other countries are just like, oh, well, it's a white person, so they probably just play hockey, right? Uh, they beat her up and cut her hair and shit, and it actually gets kind of dark. I was like, whoa, what the fuck? It reminded me of that that uh, Last Samurai scene where the dude gets his, his ponytail cut. You know what I'm talking about. So anyway, Ip Man stops them and uh, gets his arm like broken in a door in the process. Just weird. Like he puts his arm in between this door they're about to slam. So, so he saves her and and brings her back to her dad, who guess what happens to be the chairman of that Chinese masters kung fu club, you know the the racist villain number one. So uh, the villain then explains once again why they're racist a little bit more in depth into his his uh, cause for being racist because you know they've dealt with racism this whole time that they've been in America and, and how the white devils are, are bad and whatnot. Um, I'm using quotes. They, they say white devils. I'm not kidding. But it man is like, no, you're better than this. You know, Kung Fu is better than this, blah, 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 you know, all preachy. So naturally they fight because he's like, fuck you. I hate white people. Uh, so they fight and the shot looks exactly like the start of a fight scene in street fighter, the video game. Like, like angled shot kind of over each opponent as they get into their, like, ready stance. And then uh, uh, the, it zooms out with a shot of both of them 
you know, inside this like perfectly symmetrical Chinese restaurant. Like you're, I'm just expecting in the movie for it to go ready, fight. But you know, they both are fighting and and they end up in a draw, most likely because it man had an injury. Just want to throw that out there, but also to show that villain number one is actually a good fighter. So you know, it'll add to that emotional weight later in the movie when we start to sympathize with him, of course, because that's the format. We have to. So we jump to a scene of one of Bruce Lee's students bringing one of those like Chinese kung fu wooden dummies um, onto the marine base where he works. You know what I'm talking about. The It's those wooden dummy things. It's in all the movies. It's like what they train on. And there's this evil marine drill sergeant that like while his like right-hand man, you know, like a sub-villain essentially, who's some badass, is like choking out this other black dude. The drill sergeant just like gets in his face and he, <laughs> it's wild, his speech. He's just like, I've been called racist, but I'm not racist. I just hate weakness. And then like says some weird shit about like certain races are weak or something. I was like, whoa, what the fuck is going on here? So anyway, that evil Marine drill sergeant sees the the Chinese Kung Fu thing. It's like, the fuck is this stupid thing? And out of nowhere, it's just like, Kung Fu is fucking lame, man. Karate is where it's at. And you can keep this thing here, but you got to beat my best dude in a fight. Like, this is this is how this goes down. It's wild. And, and so, this is where the movie goes, like, absolutely full-on Street Fighter. I mean, I know I mentioned it just a second ago, but this is where it's, like, wild, like, this reference will only make sense if you're a fan of the Street Fighter video game series, but imagine Bison saying some, like, villainous shit to Ryu and then instructing Zangief to take him out. Like, that's the only way I can accurately explain this scene. And if you're not a Street Fighter fan, I apologize. Essentially, what I'm saying is big bad guy tells other bad guy that's super strong to beat up this good guy. Like, it's fucking insane. So then Big Bad Strong Guy wins, obviously. And the the evil, like, bison lookalike white supremacist marine drill sergeant just kind of, like, stands there and laughs and says how, like, superior Japanese martial arts and and, and uh, karate is to, to the Chinese kung fu and just gets, like, weirdly racist out of nowhere uh, and says all the Chinese have to, like, run laps now. Because this one guy lost a fight, and he's like, ha, 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 stupid Chinese. Your kung fu is no match for the superior Japanese karate. Run laps because of it. Everyone here that's Chinese. It's fucking, it was just wild. I mean. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 
Hey, if you've had a bladder leak today, listen up. I get it. I tried pills and pads for years but couldn't find relief until I found Axonix Therapy. It's a tiny device that put me back in control of my bladder. Why not see if it could work for you? Visit findrealrelief.com. That's findrealrelief.com. Consult a bladder specialist to find out if Axonix is right for you. Results and experiences may vary. For more information about safety and potential risks, go to findrealrelief.com. He's like, goes full on evil. Like, why would a white marine drill sergeant from Southern California care about Japanese versus Chinese martial arts at all? You know, so much so that it makes him blatantly racist. He's like smiling while he burns their wooden Chinese martial arts dummy thing right there on the track that he's forcing the Chinese guys to run on. So they have to watch it happen while he's like laughing. I just don't understand. I don't understand, but that's where we're at. And then the daughter of, you know, the Chinese villain, villain number one, um, just shows up at it man's house or I guess his apartment and starts talking to him about issues that she's having with her dad and advice on what she should do for this like Chinese carnival coming up. And I'm like, um, I'm sorry, but haven't you only met this guy like one fucking time on a bus and that your dad, he literally fought this guy in your living room and has clearly warned you about to avoid. I mean, she even calls him Uncle Ip. Like, what if this hadn't had been Ip Man, but some really fucking creepy dude and said that her dad, like, fairly warned her about? She's, like, in high school, dude. It's not appropriate. There's a scene in this movie I literally had to make my wife watch it just to make sure I'm not crazy, where she, like, looks up at him. When they're alone in his apartment, I'm like, what the fuck is about to happen? It, it got weird. That's all I'm saying. So the evil drill sergeant, you know, sends some uh, some evil American Marines, you know, in America to show up to this Chinese carnival in Chinatown and show off their martial arts abilities. Um, everyone's pissed about this. And, you know, one guy literally says in quotes, uh, hey, who invited these whiteies? And then I'm right. I wrote these quotes down. And then someone else said, quote, damn white devils, end quote. <laughs> like it, this movie is so racist. It's fucking weird, man. And also, how are these Marines really that racist? Like, like what they're claiming to be better than the Chinese practice is a Japanese practice that they've actually spent years training in. So, like, what are they? Are they are they racist towards? anyone who isn't Japanese or are they Japanese supremacists because they're, they're not claiming like the like white necessarily is superior they're just like hate the Chinese for their kung fu and like love Japanese karate it's weird and so this old ass man steps into the ring in order to you know force the white devils to leave because he's a master and of course this like young super jack marine just kicks him the fuck out of that ring <laughs> and after soaring like 10 yards through the air and off an elevated stage i'm not even kidding this like 60 year old man sits up and just responds why is that thing so damn small like it's a fucking bugs bunny cartoon and not a serious action moment in a martial arts movie i mean it was it was wild i started laughing and i was like wait am i supposed to laugh like did the director just like successfully make me laugh or or am I laughing because that was so misplaced and so weird? I don't know. 
I don't know. This this movie franchise has fucked with my head a lot. Um, and then there's a couple other, you know, older guys that come in that claim to be masters. They get their asses kicked real quick. And I don't care if they aren't masters or whatever, but there's like 20 young men who have been trained for years, all circled around this, just watching this happen, who I'm confident would stand a better chance against this Marine than any of these AARP-looking motherfuckers that claim to be masters. Then, this middle-aged house mom jumps into the ring, and when the dude warns her, like, hey, I'm not holding back, she's like, you won't have to. (laughs) And so, of course... She almost kicks this dude's ass because, you know, like, feminism and everything. Uh, And right when he, you know, he turns the tables and he's about to beat her. He's about to, like, end the fight because, as he said at the beginning, he's not holding back. Um, But It Man comes in at the last second and rescues her. Uh, So, at this point, It Man's on the stage with this Marine. And he just points at him and says, enough. You know, like a dad scolding a son and throws him the fuck back when he tries to kick him. And so I'm just like, oh, yeah, here we go, baby. This is what I came here for. And it man just proceeds to beat the shit out of this evil Marine dude. I'm like, fuck, yeah. Uh, But of course, the Marine drill sergeant says something like, I'll have to handle this myself. And just like speeds off in his Marine Jeep to go come up with, you know, some some new evil idea, some new evil plot to kill all these Chinese people in San Francisco. But of course, simultaneously, the, the cops are cooking up some plan to arrest everyone in Chinatown because, you know, this is apparently a fucking superhero movie and all we have now is like three different villains and two side villains to focus on and their plots are straight out of superhero movies. Like, the black cop that initially went to go get it man in Hong Kong in the beginning. Um, he like, he's a cop. So he voices some concerns about this, this clearly super villainous plan. And the chief literally says, shut up, do good. Marshall do as you're told in the worst line reading I've ever seen in a movie. It was fucking hysterical. It killed. I died laughing. Shut up, do good. Marshall do as you're told. It was fucking awesome. I loved it. It was the best line I could have ever imagined. So then we get to finally see the evil drill sergeant in action. And oh shit, Whitey can fight. Like seriously, that's what they call him to explain him to Ip Man. And like to explain what happened. Like they call him Whitey. I'm not just saying that. That's what they call him. Like I wouldn't be surprised if that is his character's name in imdb so the marine sergeant whitey and police chief honky you know finally get to meet and i'm expecting some like white supremacist barney episode where they all love each other and they're all getting along they're like yeah yeah no chinese people we all hate chinese people um but no that's not what happens at all marine drill sergeant whitey straight up goes like evil on top of police chief honky saying like to bring the chinese to him you know Showing us, the viewer, that although there are many villains in this movie, this is the alpha villain. He has now taken that reign as, like, the main villain. Villain boss. And I know the, like, what do you mean these people joke has been played out a lot. Um, 
but I don't think there's actually been a these people line used specifically to to be derogatory towards white people just in general. But this movie pulls it off. They call them these people and shit like that all the time. It's fucking wild. So, uh, Marine Whitey decides that his men were actually assaulted during the fights at the carnival. And since villain number one is their martial arts master, um, he will legally be held accountable. Um, I'm no lawyer, but that definitely seems like questionable enough allegations that should result in, like, the rejection of any arrest warrant. Even for naval court. I, I'm guessing Marines go to naval court. I don't know. I don't think... A, was it a few good men? Weren't they Marines? I think they were enabled. Anyway, off topic. Um, so anyway, we're going to go with that. They arrest him, uh, villain number one, who's now, you know, no longer a villain. Um, but instead of, like, an official arrest, the Marine just claims, like, well, you have to fight me now. It's it's a video game. Like, you're not watching a movie anymore. This is a video game superhero clip. I mean, the fight takes place in a marine gymnasium with that looks like a hangar with uh with marines motionlessly watching from the bleachers in the background like this is literally just a scene from street fighter this is the this movie is the best street fighter movie i ever could have imagined this is better than the mortal kombat movies like this is the street fighter movie that they never made so this dude is you know, a Marine drill sergeant, but looks like he fights better than Chuck Norris in his prime. Like, he must really take this karate versus kung fu thing very seriously because he's very good at karate and ends up just killing the other Chinese dude in this fight. Like, I don't think... He doesn't, like, literally kill him, but he fucks him up. He really fucks him up. Um, and then in the next scene... I realize how they must have gotten funding for It Man 4. Um, if it wasn't obvious enough at this point for the franchise, I'm guessing the Chinese government just funded this entire franchise because this movie goes full-on pro-China propaganda at this point. This is when it's like, whoa. Um, they talk about how like <laughs> the Chinese people were responsible for for building the railroads in America and, and how there's no equality in America for Chinese people and how Chinese people should only look out for each other instead of becoming, you know, like acclimated parts of America or American citizens. It's like, it gets weird. I was like, what the fuck am I watching, dude? So when, uh, you know, when I started this movie, I, I thought it would be a Kung Fu movie, uh, you know, with a message breaking of like breaking down racial stereotypes and, and building towards, diversity um and equality and you know all that disney messaging but no this was actually just a superhero action movie based on the video game street fighter that completely subverted your expectations by just furthering the message of racial exclusivity and chinese nationalism like bravo bravo for diverting my expectations that much i mean this was an 80s movie this is essentially an 80s movie about America versus Soviet Russia, but this time, like, the Russians, uh, like, were the Russians, and then the Chinese and the Americans. Like, imagine it like that. So the Marine is talking about how, like, the Chinese are an inferior race and that they should be wiped out. Like, shit like that, dude. I'm like, it's fucking very racial. Uh, so the Chinese Marine dude walks in with Ip Man, 
and they're going to get revenge uh, for all the racism and whatnot. And this Chinese Marine dude just starts literally walks in giving the speech about how, like, we are the culture. And I was like, what does that mean? Like, China, like, is the culture of America? Like, I don't, I don't know what he meant in that at all, but his whole speech about how is we are the culture. And I just, I still don't understand it. I would love for somebody to just to explain that to me. Um, <laughs> like what American culture, like are Chinese people famous for like eating like fast food, being obese and liking, you know, the NFL and college football and watching too much TV. Maybe if that's the case, then yeah, they're pretty much the American culture summed up. He's, like, lecturing this drill sergeant who's just, like, taking it and letting him lecture him. He's, like, lecturing him about how, like, supremacy is hatred and bigotry. Um, You know, those are real words that he uses in this little speech. Um, He essentially sounds like a freshman that, you know, just took some international women's study class and came back to visit mom and dad for Thanksgiving. And is just, like, spewing shit that you learned in class. So the evil Marine drill sergeant just like quickly beats up it man um which you can chalk up to it man's injury once again you know he was injured so if we're still doing my like numerical scale of like where people are uh, you know still probably below tin tinchi that's probably where i put this guy uh and then right around to the boxer from it man too so he's a badass. He's a no no doubt. And he beats up it man pretty quickly, like they always do. Of course, he calls him some like racial slurs, I'm sure. Don't really remember what it was, but I'm sure he does. Uh, at which point this this dude's commanding officer just gives like a disappointing look. He's like, damn, dude, racism isn't cool. Like, that's the look he's giving him. He doesn't say that, but you can just tell like the that look, like, damn, man, don't be racist. That's not cool. He's like kind of disappointed because because his this guy's being like yelling racial slurs at this Chinese man that he's just beating to death, and more importantly, I'm just thinking like, wait, so he's just like okay with this whole destroy the Chinese race talk? Because clearly the, his commanding officer has been there the whole time, right? I mean, he had to have been. He's standing there with everybody else watching this go down, while he's just talking about like exterminating the Chinese race. Uh, which is weird. So I'm like, wait, so did he just go like full alpha alpha villain and just become like supreme leader of this racist army with a mission to kill all Chinese? I don't know because I think I saw that story play out in Captain America with Red Skull. It was pretty good. Maybe that can be Ip Man 5. But of course, Ip Man gets back up and they continue to fight while inspirational action music is like playing loudly. Uh, once Ip Man finally defeats the evil racist, the Chinese Marine is just like, take gunnery sergeant, you know, white racist to the sick bay. And the guy who I thought was the commanding officer of this base, it's just like Johnson Harris. And just like tells him to go essentially like straight up taking orders from this dude. Now I was so it's like, what's going on? Like, is this new racist army? I guess the rule is like, once the Supreme ruler is defeated, the conqueror takes control. That's what the only thing I can assume sounds tight to me. So um, there's this 
right after that, there's a sl- slow clap scene. I'm not joking. A fucking slow clap scene. They have a slow clap scene in this movie. It's wild. And then after that, um, and everything is good, It Man finally gets his letter of recommendation. What the whole movie was about. He gets his letter of recommendation so that his son can go to school in San Francisco. He gets this letter of recommendation from the, the first villain. You know, he won him over. What did I tell you? It was going to be like a heartwarming thing at the end. And how does he respond? He responds by saying that actually they're not going to be coming here because it's, quote, not the place for them, unquote. So I guess, you know, they're staying in the far superior and less racist China. Surprise, surprise, China. That's what they're going to say because race, America's too racist. It's a terrible place. And what was the point of this movie? Well, the way it started, I assumed Ip Man was going to, you know, have to show this guy the error of his ways by rejecting students based on their race only because that, you know, he's encountered racism himself, you know, but it still just spreads racism instead of trying to combat it. But no, the fucking guy was justified when you see how horrible and racist everyone else was. So, like, I don't get it. What was the point? Just to show people, like, just to show us that people used to be racist in the past? Because, like, yeah, I don't think that surprises anybody. But no progress was ever made throughout this movie to combat racism. No progress was made throughout this movie to combat any kind of bad theme, anything negative. It just kind of reinforces it for you. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a when Shopify says you can sell anywhere, oh, they mean it. Woo, hold up. Just got a new sale. Order fulfilled and shipped. Inventory level's good. Whoa, Shopify doesn't mind if you're at sea level. Or on top of the world. Oh, you can run and grow your business anywhere. Climbing mountains is never easy, but at least Shopify gives me all the tools I need for my business to hit new beats. Whether you're selling carabiners or crop tops, start selling with Shopify today and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. We've built the platform so you can keep climbing and grow your business to new heights. With Shopify, you really can sell to anyone from anywhere. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. Internet connection required. Not available on mountaintops or seafloors. Like, I went in expecting to see a movie about the story of Ip Man training Bruce Lee for the third fucking time. But instead, I got a fucking Chinese propaganda film about how Americans don't deserve America. Now, the Chinese people should only look out for each other because everybody else is evil. Like, this movie was off the, its rails. I, it was a straight-up Chinese propaganda film. I don't know how you could watch that and think anything else. I was trying to find rankings for the It Man franchise and read more into it and see what other people thought because I was like, maybe I'm crazy. A lot of people ranked... This one very high as like one of their favorite movies in in the franchise, which blows my mind. This was probably the worst movie. I get that It Man 3 should be the worst movie because the story makes no sense. It goes nowhere. Mike Tyson's fight scene was so anticlimactic. 
Um, why does he want a school? You know, shit like that. It goes nowhere. But honestly, I think I would put Ip Man 3 above Ip Man 4. Mostly for the character, Tenchi. Uh, one of the best characters. Probably the second second best character in the entire franchise. Um, Ip Man 4 was just bad, dude. It was bad. It was cheesy. It was lame. Um, the only good thing about it really was the evil racist drill sergeant. Um, just because he was a very intimidating person in general. But it's just kind of a letdown because they have to rely on, like, tropes for him to seem evil. You know? It's like, oh, he's racist? Bad. Right? That's, like, the only thing about him. He's just, like, a racist. Like, with Tin Chi, for instance, who was presented as a villain, obviously, he did the same thing, the same trope where they, you know go back and he's a good guy eventually but at least with him you know you get some understanding of who he is where he's coming from stuff like that um it man for i i think was the worst one so i thought i was done but i wasn't apparently there's another one master z Ip man legacy uh it starts like most in the series kind of giving you this like Chinese version of the Star Wars opening credits, but with like newspaper headlines just to update you on the previous movies. And apparently, this movie is about Tin Chi, the dude that almost beat up It Man in the third movie. So, um, I'm kind of hyped because that character was actually one of the few genuinely good things from that movie. And you know, so I'm on board watching this so far. Uh, and since I know I'm never gonna get a fucking Bruce Lee backstory movie at this point, you know fuck it. I'll take, I'll take this instead, I guess. I'm going to be honest though. I was a little disappointed to see it wasn't dubbed in English. And I know that probably sounds bad, but you know, I don't mind reading subtitles if I know the movie's a classic or if it's like a good movie, but like most people, I f prefer to be able to look away from the screen for even just a second without having to like miss something important and having to rewind it. So I really paid attention to this fucking movie because of that. So you're going to have to listen to this in-depth review about this one. And and I get that because, you know, this franchise has clearly just become, like, obvious propaganda for China. Uh, you know, they're like, fuck it, we're just not even going to dub it anymore, I guess. But I imagine Americans make up a pretty good chunk of this franchise's audience. Not even just Americans, but, like, English-speaking people in general. I don't know. Nevertheless, this movie opens with the most, like, campy attempt at a kung fu slash western hybrid i've ever seen there's an evil mob boss who's paying tinchi to do evil mob boss stuff which you know i just assume is like hits on people uh and he's just like how come you never take jobs with women and children or nice guys so women and children i get but like how does he determine who the nice guys are does he just have to like stake these people out for an entire week come back just to be like yeah you know what i saw him tip the valet and and put his grocery cart back after he put the groceries in his car. So I can't kill this guy because, you know, he's clearly good. Anyway, the boss is like, you know, I would pay you double. And Tenchi is just like, nah. But out of nowhere, the the mob boss is just like, what's faster? Your, uh, your fist or a gun? <laughs> I'm like, what? It's like doesn't flow with the conversation at all. So Tenchi is just like at seven paces, my fist. And the boss man is just like, well, seems like seven paces to me. And just fucking grabs his gun out of a hip holster. <laughs> so 
So obviously Tenshi stops him. So a henchman like jumps in and immediately it turns into a fight scene. And I mean like a legit ass henchman, by the way, like black fedora, leather jacket, the works. Once it's over, the boss is just like, oh, well, I respect your decision. Okay, bye. And that's it. That's the scene. Meant nothing. It was wild. Um, I don't. I don't understand what they were doing there. So anyway, we get to see Tenchi lives in a small apartment with his son, and his son is like complaining about breakfast. Uh, Tenchi's like, I'll get something else for tomorrow, and the kid's just like, You always say that, Dad. <laughs> uh, you know. So okay, I get it. He's supposed to be like some struggling single father that's working just to keep bread on the table, uh, literally. We've seen that a thousand times, but that's fine. Recognizable formulas for movies is expected, and if it's done right, it can work great. I mean, hell, that formula worked great in the first movie of the franchise. But the issue is, then they walk through their, like, house door, and you find out that apparently they just live in the back of a small grocery store that Tinshi owns. So this kid is complaining about his dad not bringing something different home to eat, but he, this motherfucker's too lazy to just grab something off the shelf before he walks back to the kitchen, which is no more than 10 feet away. It's like when your mom would say, like, oh, we have food at home when you ask for something, but you know full well you don't have what you're asking for at home. Well, this kid literally has it at home. Like, everything. They live behind a grocery store. So... There's these gangsters that run an opium house, and I'm like, oh, hell yes, here we go. This is what I want to see, baby. And this girl hasn't paid um, her, like, debt, and this gangster's like, well, you've been collecting a lot of debt lately, so I'm going to need you to go ahead and pay that today. So call somebody who can pay, and then just, like, proceeds to beat the shit out of her, just for good measure, you know. Uh, her sister shows up with the money, and, and the boss is all like, oh, shit, it's you, and the girl's like, don't ever touch her again, or it'll be your last, or, you know, some shit like that. So I'm like, okay, she must be connected with some criminal family somehow, and maybe the police, something, you know, that intimidates this gangster, but nope, they were all just afraid of this little girl in a dress because she starts beating the shit out of all of them. I mean, I get it. It's a franchise where a kung fu master is able to beat up an entire shipyard full of workers, but I can only suspend my disbelief for so long okay like grown men multiple grown men will grab this woman and she'll just like punch them through the air backwards this 90 pound chinese woman is able to just like punch this 190 a a solid 100 pounds more than her gangsters right off their feet when they grab her with their full force like it just doesn't come on and by the way if they're so afraid of her then why did they choose to start attacking her Because she paid them the ransom and then just attack her and she proceeds to beat the fuck out of like 15 grown men. And this is where, you know, the badass chick gets to meet our main character, Tenchi. He saves her by beating the shit out of the rest of the gangsters, even though she didn't need saving. Fucking male chauvinist pig, am I right? And I have to say, this movie franchise may get bad. You know, it may get shit bad. It may turn to dog food that then gets eaten by a dog and shit back out just to be picked up and thrown away into an outdoor garbage bag that is full of other dog shit that's just been cooking outside under the hot sun. But at least we get some pretty sweet kung fu scenes. I'll say that about this franchise. So 
we get to see these gangsters in their evil lair sitting around some big table and and there's this woman who's clearly the head of this criminal organization you know sitting at the at the front kind of walking around menacingly and her uncle uh who helped her father create this gang and literally shows that he has the scars to prove he put in that work you know to work his way up in this criminal underworld that guy is knocked out from this little chinese lady banging his head on the table once yeah I mean, literally knocked out cold, by the way. Like, henchmen had to come in and carry this, his unconscious body just out of there. So, this badass boss lady wants the entire gang to go legit. Not because, you know, they're planning on making any more money doing this or acquiring more power, but, but simply just because they won't have to worry about going to jail anymore. I mean, like, that's literally what she gives as an explanation when they ask her about it. That's what she says. And I've heard some pretty, like, rough stuff about Chinese prison systems, like, you know, especially if you're Muslim. But apparently their ability to deter crime is pretty incredible because this decision makes absolutely no sense. So the other gangster boss from earlier clearly isn't happy about this. So he's, you know, he brings his crew over to Chin Chi's uh, grocery store Um and they burn it down. They burn down the building and they try to kill him and his and his son. And I'm not gonna lie, this this is a pretty decent scene, honestly. Like the sound design and the billowing fire all around them uh, as they're locked inside, it actually bumped pumped my nerves a little bit. I'll be honest. It was a decently shot scene, but of course they escape and he kicks some more ass this time while jumping between uh, signs along the street, which was actually pretty dope. It was like the building, the neon building signs along the street. Um, and the badass chick from earlier helps save his son. So she's like, well, y'all can just come back to my family's place and live with us since your place burnt down. It's called the gold bar, which by the way, sounds like a nightclub in Miami owned by Donald Trump. And guess who we get to see running this place. It's old fucking fake face from the first Ip Man movie. The guy that looks like his face is fake. You know, the, the Chinese version of Stefan Carl's character in Lazy Town that I talked about? Well, apparently his name is Fu, and Fu runs the gold bar and his brothers to this badass chick. So he decides to let Tin Chi and his son stay there if he's willing to bartend and, you know, work off his debt a little bit. So apparently uh, this place is just really a big brothel for British sailors because the only customers seem to be guys in sailor uniforms and Chinese women that appear to be hookers. Like, it's weird. Like, he, Fu he literally even has his, like, fiancé doing it. It's, it's, it's strange. I don't understand it. Uh, maybe you will. But Tinchi burns down the opium house um, that the gangster dude ran to get back at him for burning down his place. And obviously the gangster dude gets all pissed. But the boss lady, who I believe at this point is actually his sister... Is like, I told you we're going legit anyway. Just forget about this place and don't worry about seeking out revengeance. Which just blows my mind. Like, you're a criminal organization. Even if you're trying to go legit, you gotta, like... You're criminals. You're gangsters. You gotta show the rest of the world that they can't get away with that, right? I don't know. That's what I'm... Th so, anyway. But the gangster dude starts, like, huffing and puffing. And his, his sister's like, whoa, you know, take your medicine and... And he gets all, like, angsty teen about it. You know, it's like, I don't need any sympathy from you. And just, like, storms out. 
And by the way, this is the second time so far in this movie that he said those exact words while he's like, <gasps> like wheezing. So this, I mean, it's got to mean something important, right? Like later on in the movie, like that's got to be a big part of this guy's character. But more importantly, if you're trying to create a compelling villain, uh, you should try not giving him like a sympathetic weakness whenever he gets a little worked up, right? It's not good. Like, could you imagine watching the Dark Knight movies and and how much less intimidating, let's say, the Joker would be if he had to sit down to puff on an inhaler every time he just started like laughing, doing his like Joker laugh? He's just like, <sighs> and then like had to hit an inhaler. That would, it would be lame, right? You wouldn't take him seriously. So anyway, this gangster boss lady go, goes to the gold bar, orders a drink uh, from Tinchi, but it's like, no, this is actually for you, and he refuses it, and they have the most absurd kung fu action scene since Kung Pao under the fist. I mean, they're literally just passing the drink back and forth while, like, blocking each other's hands with loud action music playing in the background. And, like, whoosh, whoosh, you know, those sound effects just for passing this like whiskey drink back and forth. It's completely insane. And I can only imagine this was pitched as a joke while the production team was just like getting stoned. That's the only way I can envision this playing out. Just imagine how that interaction would look to a bystander without any of the sound effects or music or in slow motion. Like, it would just be the weirdest fucking thing. Like, just in general, this movie has the weirdest music choices and sound design. It just makes no sense. As an example, Fu challenges Tin Chi to spar um, when he finds out that he used to own this Wing Chun studio in Hong Kong that rivaled Ip Man's. Even though Fu doesn't ever mention the fact that he used to train under Ip Man, which... You know, that seems like a pretty relevant thing to mention during this conversation. Anyway, they they start to fight on the ledge of this really tall building. And they start playing really fun, upbeat music that does not make any sense. It doesn't work well together at all. Feels awkward. It ruins the whole scene. And the movie does shit like this the whole time. That just doesn't make sense. And, oh yeah, in case I forgot to mention, Dave Barista is in this movie. You know, that guy that played Drax from the Guardians of the Galaxy, then started playing that role of the big guy in those throwaway family movies, like he's trying to be the goodwill Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Well, yeah, he's in this movie as the owner of a steak restaurant, who also volunteers at orphanages, apparently, because he had to mention that. So, Dave Barista holds an auction in his steak restaurant to donate the proceeds to rebuild homes lost in a typhoon. You know, just in case you weren't sure already how good of a guy he is from him saying that he volunteers at an orphanage literally a minute and a half maybe before it cut to this scene. Anyway, gangster boss lady decides to get real aggressive during this bid and, you know, bumps it up. The bid's currently at 20000 and she just shouts out 100000 which she's never been to an auction. That's terrible. You would never do that. And in case you weren't aware of how money works, extras in the scene not only, like, gasped, like, but audibly said, quote, wow, that's a lot of money. That was a quote from one of the extras. It cracked me up. And Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? 
In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. When Shopify says you can sell anywhere, oh, they mean it. Ooh, hold up. Just got a new sale. Order fulfilled and shipped. Inventory level's good. Whoa, Shopify doesn't mind if you're at sea level. Or on top of the world. Ah, you can run and grow your business anywhere. Climbing mountains is never easy, but at least Shopify gives me all the tools I need for my business to hit new beats. Whether you're selling carabiners or crop tops, start selling with Shopify today and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. We've built the platform so you can keep climbing and grow your business to new heights. With Shopify, you really can sell to anyone from anywhere. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free22. Shopify.com slash free22. Shopify.com slash free22. Internet connection required. Not available on mountaintops or seafloors. At this point, we're halfway through the movie, and I still can't tell if some scenes are so obviously cliche because of the, like, the translation problem or cultural barrier. Um... Or simply because everyone was just like hella stoned while making this movie and it's actually super high IQ comedy that only I got because I was equally as stoned watching it. Nevertheless, the other rich business people in attendance all decide because she runs a criminal organization that they're going to reject her money and not let her participate in the organization's functions. Which, by the way, is a very reasonable gesture that really took some balls to say, like, This lady supposedly runs the largest crime syndicate in the city, or at least a major one, and these old dudes are willing to stand up and publicly denounce her actions and reject her illegal money. But instead, we're supposed to, like, feel bad for her, and she goes on some anti-capitalist rant to a room full of old white men because, you know, we have to still please the motherland who uh, paid to make this stupid fucking franchise continue. And she talks about how they're all also not so innocent and they lie and cheat and exploit. But I'm just thinking like the very notion that they're willing to potentially risk their lives to morally and financially reject her involvement because of the crimes that she's committed shows how noble these dudes actually are. It's like the opposite of what they're trying to make me feel. So that's probably just because like I'm watching this movie, though, with my cis straight white male gaze, you know. I thought John Johnny Lawrence was like completely justified in the Karate Kid, so I guess I'm just a shitty person. But this movie also has the worst set design. Like, although I really liked the idea of this bar street and having it lit up from all the neon signs, uh, it was just so obviously staged, and everything seemed completely made up and fabricated. It was all too clean and like not lived in at all. It's a bar street. It should be bright from the neon lights, yeah, but also dingy with, like, plenty of wear and tear. You know, it should smell like moldy piss because I've spent plenty of nights out on, like, Bourbon Street, Bourbon 6th Street, let's say Broadway, Nashville, and and they all, all those places have one thing in common, public urination. I want to be able to smell the moldy piss through the screen when I look at this place. Not to mention, I had no idea what time period this movie was set in. They had plenty of, like, neon signs, and they were driving old-timey cars, like it's Great Gatsby of Hong Kong, 
But the gangsters also dressed like they're living in the 80s? It was weird. So the evil gangster shows up to the back of the alley of the gold bar and decides he's just, like, going to fucking kill Fu's fiance. You know, the one that had to get rescued from the drug dealers at the beginning uh, because of her opium addiction. And she acts like a prostitute for sailors to keep them buying drinks at the bar. You know, that person. Um, also, I should mention, they decide to kill her by dumping drugs down her throat so she ODs, which just seems like a really expensive way to kill someone. If that wasn't enough, he decides now he's going to just take over the gang from his sister. And just as he has like her surrounded with a bunch of people in his gang, Fu and Tin Chi show up to seek revenge um, for the murder of his fiance, and they just start murking dudes. It's badass. Uh, the asthma gangster like reaches for his gun, but Tinchi's able to stop him because he's within seven paces. I mean, don't you just love a good callback to a completely nonsensical scene at the beginning of a movie just so you'll go, oh, like from earlier, at a scene in the middle of a movie with no relevance to the rest of the story? I know, me too, right? So Tinchi starts fighting with the sister because even though she knows her brother's a stupid little shit, she doesn't want him to be killed. And in case you were unaware... The sister is also a kung fu master, of course, that is able to go toe-to-toe with Chin Tinchi uh, to the point that the fight ends, you know, in a draw. It has to get broken up. So, essentially, this this chick is, like, she could beat up fucking it, man. I think every girl in this movie could beat up it, man, because he has the word man in his name, fucking pig. And then Fu manages to cut off the gangster's arm with a sword as he's about to shoot Tinchi and, like, I mean, a clean fucking slice. I know movies have to avoid excessive gore, um, and so to do that, they have to avoid, like, using a lot of blood, but at least in Star Wars, I, I understand the argument that the lightsaber would, like, essentially burn the wounds back or evaporate the blood, so I can get on board with that. I That's fine. That's a good enough excuse, but I'm pretty sure a dude getting his arm clean chopped off would have at least maybe a drop of blood. Like, that's all I'm asking for. Just give me a one fucking drop of blood when this gangster's arm gets hacked off by a machete. So they make a deal with the asthma gangster. Um, he has to tell them where all the drugs are hidden and he gets to live. By the way, this inhaler thing like from earlier literally never comes back up in the movie. It was completely irrelevant. has nothing to do with the story. Forget that it ever happened. So Fu goes and finds the drugs and turns them in and the bigger crime boss orders the police like, hey, go arrest Fu. He stole all my drugs. Um, he tells his sister, you know, it's fine, he'll be right back, he'll be home before breakfast, which we all know means he's getting murdered in jail, obviously. Uh, this movie's too cliche and self-aware to not give us that satisfaction. And at this point, it's revealed that charity-giving, orphanage-volunteering, Mr. Steakhouse philanthropist himself, Dave Barista, was the villain the whole time. Dun-dun-dun! So they give Dave Barista this whole Dwayne the Hannibal Lecter Johnson thing with his obsession of, like, perfect stakes. Uh, but he's also, like, fucking jacked, like The Rock, right? Which weirdly kind of works and makes me think that, like, the next James Bond movie actually needs this character as the villain. So Fu refuses to stake, saying something about, like, wanting fried beef with tomatoes instead of bloody meat that, like, whiteies have, you know. Makes no sense to an American watching, but I'm sure that it's some traditional Chinese dish because, you know, like, fuck those imperialist whiteies and their 
capitalist stakes, I guess. Uh, Dave Barista literally beats Fu to death. Not without, like, Fu fighting back, either. Dave Barista is essentially just this, like, bigger, more menacing, and better acting version of the character Mike Tyson played in the third movie. It's just a giant, unmovable force that makes you... Makes, like, your kicks and punches essentially irrelevant. And after he kills Fu, he says something about, like, the steak being perfectly cooked by now. Just harping on that, like, weird steak obsession and cliche movie tropes that I love. Uh, Tenchi discovers who Dave Barista is and that he killed Fu, so he goes to get revenge. The fight just immediately starts, and it doesn't really feel like it has any weight to it at all because it's just, like, right away. There's no dialogue kind of hyping it up but the music was just absolutely awful you know as expected during this fight uh they play like suspenseful music like you're waiting for a climax move uh to happen instead of just like epic music that kind of builds the the passion or tensity of of the scene uh Tenchi gets knocked down and has some kind of like inspirational vision while like Dave Barista either has some steak reference or a racial remark about Chinese people. I don't remember, but there's a hundred percent chance that it's one of those two things because I've seen enough of these movies to know how they work by now. Then Tinchi gets back up and says, you know, Tinchi Wing Chun, just how it man said it, you know, and how he how he said it when he fought it man, that cool like martial arts thing they do, and the music kind of picks up a little bit, and then suddenly Tinchi just becomes unstoppable out of nowhere i guess because he said his name so just as tinchi is about to finish off dave batista uh the police pull up and they have just the most like sloppy editing and camera angles ever it's like as the cops pull up the cops start running out of like random back alleys um by the cars making it seem like they're all coming out of the cars that just pulled up but to be able to have, like, more people than the cars even manage. Like, clearly the the camera should have been zoomed in a little bit more, so I didn't see all the cops just running from different angles onto the set. It was really bad. So the stake villain tells the white cop to arrest Tenchi, and all the locals are like, yeah, what the fuck? Does, you know, does this, like, drug dealer pay y'all off or something? Like, you can't just let him go because he said so. And the white cop just casually walks up to this bystander and just fucking smashes him over the head with a baton and literally proceeds to say unironically by the way says i'm here to keep the peace (laughs) like so more than likely this guy's now bleeding to death in the ground with a cracked skull but the cop is just yelling like all right nothing to see here (laughs) it's fucking wild and then on top of that out of nowhere as it's like zoomed in on the cop's face while he's like saying like nothing to see here move along a fist comes into frame from the side and knocks the cop out like it's a fucking cartoon i swear to god it was a scene from tom and jerry it, this was incredible camera work and editing i i i was so impressed so as everyone is fighting um the, you know the the chinese cop finds the drugs and two guys that are actually willing to confess to the whole thing uh connecting mr steak to the crime syndicate, which is absolutely impeccable police work, by the way. That was quick. So they arrest the white cop, and as Dave Batista like, tries to escape, the henchman from the beginning of the movie, in that black fedora and leather jacket, is just like standing there, and literally throws a fucking little frozen metal pick thing into the back of Dave Batista's skull and kills him. And he's like, 
10 yards away at least, and Dave Bautista's running the opposite direction. I'm not even kidding. Bullseye from Daredevil would have shit his pants if he saw this one. So Tenshi looks around and sees the Fedora assassin, killer of fashion, miraculously standing on a balcony ledge like three stories up, and they just like smile at each other. Like, I'm not even kidding. A, a second after killing this guy, by the time the group gets around the corner, this assassin is already three stories up on a ledge like nothing happened. And he's just standing there. And just two seconds ago, he was on the street. So, Tinchi and him smile at each other. But I'm just like, why? Like, they fought a few times and were clearly a match for each other. It would have been cool to watch them fight. But why smile? Like, did he just watch the whole situation go down and know that Dave Batista was a drug dealer? And if so, why would he care? Isn't he an assassin who works for a gangster? How would Dave Batista being a drug dealer morally conflict him at all? And if that was the case, wasn't this just his job to begin with anyway? Like, it showed a scene a little bit earlier than this of the gangster boss lady giving the assassin's boss, you know, from the beginning of the movie, a photo of Dave Batista. So... If a movie that is this unaware of the existence of subtlety is clearly implying that this was the assassin's job, hypothetically, he was going to kill Dave Bautista regardless, right? Like, even if he really was the great philanthropist that Dave Bautista pretended to be. Hell, even if he had the cure for cancer in his back pocket, this assassin was going to kill him because that's his job to assassinate him. I know I'm ranting a lot about this one little thing at the end of an insignificant movie to a terrible fucking franchise, but this just perfectly sums up or is a great example of shit that happens in this movie or this really this entire franchise that just doesn't make sense and shouldn't be there. So you know what would have like been a more compelling ending? I was thinking about this because the movie wasn't terrible, but I thought about it. Chinch, let's see here. Here's the alternate ending. That I'm going to give you. Tenchi wants to get revenge on the guy who is responsible for all this mess and for killing his friend. But the woman who uh, has fallen in love with him uh, begs him not to go. And for them to just leave together somewhere else and live happily and, and you know live a normal life. But Tenchi says something about how honor won't let him ignore this problem. And how until just like one person stands up to do the right thing, the wrong people will always get away with doing the wrong things. And it's this whole noble gesture with him saying goodbye to his son while his new love interest takes his son's hand, indicating to the viewer that she is the new mother figure for this this boy. And Tenshi ends up getting killed by the villainous gang and while exposing this person as the drug kingpin and the police chief being involved the whole time. And that would give you this message that like being good and noble comes at a sacrifice. You know, the sacrifice of the comfort you get from a normal life. Heroes don't get those comforts. But no, that would be too emotionally complex and ruin any chance of a sequel to keep this fucking dead franchise alive because the Chinese government loves to resuscitate it. And I also want to point out that this movie had the same police characters as every single other movie in the It Man franchise. Like, in the first one, it's the cop that works for the Japanese and eventually has the courage to stand up to the foreigners to protect his people. In the second one, it's Officer Fatso that works for the British at the cost of his people's prosperity, but has to overcome and become a main character later, you know, on in the franchise. And similarly, in the third one, it's the same Officer Fatso, but with a different British commander that's getting paid off by foreign drug dealers who has to overcome 
this obstacle to arrest and clean up the streets from these greedy foreigners. In the fourth movie, it's essentially every cop or military officer in America that's just absolutely racist, just so this Chinese soldier is able to finally stand up against it for the honor of his Chinese heritage, even though he's an American Marine. And then in this movie, it's a different Chinese cop, but he works for white cops who are not only racist, but also getting paid off by a foreign drug operation. So it's like best of both worlds. And then this Chinese cop has to finally arrest the white cop for his crime and just blatant racism. I mean, this franchise at this point has gotten the formula down for Chinese propaganda depicting authority and brutality from any foreign person. Like at the beginning of each one of these movies, it says, well, go USA entertainment during the opening for every single one of these movies. But I think what it means to say is, well, go fuck yourself, USA entertainment, because this movie hates anyone who isn't Chinese. This entire franchise hates anyone who isn't Chinese. That's what I that's the message I get from like three on but you know what that's when I just like picked up on it like oh thinking back all of them have the same message of like Chinese nationalism and like anti-foreigner none as bad as it Man four obviously but they all have that same type of message so was the it man franchise good no it was a pile of shit it was really bad the first movie is like pretty good it's nothing spectacular it's an enjoyable enough movie And then they just decided to make a whole fucking franchise on this thing. And they just got progressively worse. Other than maybe the second one. The second one was decent. Um, I would say that that kept up with the level of, you know, decency that the first one had. Neither are spectacular. Both decent movies. Both, you know, enjoyable movies. But then after that, shit just starts to hit the fan. It's fucking wild, man. Um, I, I I was looking at rankings... A lot of people say, you know, one and two are the best, which is so apparent and obvious that anyone that disagrees is wrong. But then everybody pretty much says, like, number three is the worst, and then four is, like, pretty good, along with Master Z, I guess. I don't know. If I had to list them out, if I had to put them into a rank, I mean, you listen to both of these long-ass episodes by now, so you deserve to hear my ranking. If I had to rank them, I'd probably go one, two... Three, Master Z, and then four, which was just god awful. And there you go. That's my review for the Ip Man franchise. I maybe I'll come back with another franchise review, the like a two parter again. This one exhausted me. We'll see what happens next. Who knows? Maybe I'll talk video games. Maybe I'll talk food. Uh, I talk whatever I'm doing at the moment. So hope y'all enjoyed this. And I'll see you back here again soon. Peace. With all the force of a great typhoon. With all the strength of a raging fire. Mysterious as the dark side of the Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.